0: Are you ready for a little pep talk on your coffee break? Then here's your host, Grace. Morena everyone, welcome to a new topic chat. On pep talk today so I've done a few of these topic chats myself so far Uh, if you've caught up with them you will know that the first one was all about overcoming starting paralysis and then the second one was more about like practical uh, steps that you need to take to start a business or project so now we are on to my third topic chat with me and so we're going to cover growing or growing your business or project it kind of feels like a good next natural step in that kind of business journey and as you guys know I do like things to be nice and orderly and if there's lists involved even better I'm not really talking about like massive big growth like how do you overnight become the next my food bag or something like that and of course that can be in the bigger picture plans but I'm more today talking about that journey that you go on in business to move from being just you as a sole trader, just you doing your thing, maybe you're doing it on the side of another more regular employment job and moving from that onto a legit small business, maybe with a team or a shop or an office or so on. So to begin with today, we're going to cover a bit about knowing when you're ready to grow and finding the right time to make that step. Then I'll pop in some of my thoughts about business plans and planning for growth and also making sure that you have that really strong foundation values in place for your business before you embark on taking things to the next level. Then we'll talk a bit about funding growth and where you're gonna get that money from to do all those big plans that you have. And then finally, we'll hit on some practical things like how do you go about hiring staff, signing commercial leases for premises, and things like that. And who knows what else I'll remember along the way and throw in there while we're having a bit of a yarn about my favorite topic, business. So part one, knowing when to grow. Right, so I thought it was kind of key at first to at least ask the question, how do you know when you're ready to grow your business, how do you know when the time is right and more importantly when the time is not right. This is to some extent a hugely personal question, most likely if you're running this thing as a sole trader business and rocking along by yourself, taking things to the next level is going to change your day-to-day setup in life quite a lot. So since you're probably the biggest person that this change is going to affect, you need to make sure this is right for you. Are you about to move house or change jobs or get married? Or have you recently gone through something huge or a lot of uncertainty? Or maybe there's a global pandemic going on that's leading to a one in a hundred year recession. Now, I'm not saying that that should necessarily stop you, but I just think practically, you need to think about what's going on in your life and your world and the world before you start making some big drastic changes. Then aside from the personal side of things, there's going to be some kind of signs or signals from your business that it's time to level up. Like, for example, are you turning customers away because you can't keep up? with orders or supply with your own two hands? Are you getting a lot of feedback from customers that they would come more or spend more or use your services more if you had an external premises like a shop? Are most of your target market on the other side of town but you're working from home way away? Are there some things that are making life in this business really hard for you or kind of roadblocking your enjoyment or your success? you live and breathe this business or project so far so no doubt you will hear and notice and just kind of feel these things and will have collected a bunch of those signals or signs from your business over the time that you've been working on this and you need to listen to those signs and listen to your business because it could be trying to tell you something about that next step so for example When I was running Sweet Bakery, I remember so clearly when we took our first staff member on. It was only maybe like six months into the business, but oh my god, that time had been so insane. We had an amazing launch for the business, and things really did take off quickly. And I mean, of course, that's a really good thing, but it does bring with it like a host of challenges, and it kind of limits how much income that we could make because it was only me at that time and I only have so many hours in the day and I only have two hands plus I only have a certain level of sanity to make like hundreds of cakes around the clock and really sleep. So when I got an email totally out of the blue from a passionate baker who was looking for a job, I just knew it was the right time. If we wanted to grow and we wanted to make this thing sustainable longer term, we needed extra help and so that's where our first employee Sarah joined a little team which was just me really and a little bit of my husband Brad at that time so it was kind of a combination of me listening to signals from my business plus personal circumstances like it was too much for me and also a little bit of serendipity or luck with the timing of when that email came through and those things kind of combined to be like right this is the time so that kind of also leads on to another couple of things. One is that with growth, often it's not necessarily just your planning. It's more that an opportunity comes up. So something comes up like the email that you that i had at sweet from someone looking for a job but also like a big order or a big customer gets in touch with you um or a big business reaches out and wants your services but it's too much for just you to provide so those are just examples but they're things that could happen externally that mean you just can't say no so you haven't really selected the timing but something's turned up out of the blue that's too good to turn down and that kind of forces your hand a little bit I guess in terms of growing so that's another thing to look out for an opportunity and I guess we obviously can't plan for those but what you can do is make sure that you are really clear on where you're at and where you want to go and what you're doing so that when those opportunities do turn up And we're going to talk a bit about values later, which will cover that. But when those opportunities do turn up, you're in a great position. You know what the answer is. You know what your gut's telling you on that. And you can say yes or no accordingly. Then there's another thing that I'm going to say on knowing when you're ready to grow. And that is something that I've kind of learned a little bit from experience. And that is be wary of growing for the sake of growing. So I think oftentimes especially if you've got a certain personality type, which I know that I do You kind of feel a bit of pressure maybe and a little bit of like ambition (laughs) That means that you just keep moving forward keep pushing forward keep growing keep trying to do better Trying to take things to the next level kind of for the sake of it like you don't have necessarily a certain target or goal that you're working towards or a vision you're just like Uh, or, or a good reason really you're just like I need to keep pushing this thing forward and just keep pushing it and pushing it and pushing it and not necessarily being really deliberate or measured about how you're pushing it so this is something that I definitely think that I've been a victim to in the past so I just wanted to flag that as something that I just want you to be really clear about your reasons and your goals and your targets and why you're taking these steps say to grow your business or your project rather than just being like I think I should And I think that's like something that comes up a lot in life is like, if you ever hear yourself being like, why am I doing this? It's because I think I should. And it's that should word that you need to listen out for. That's often a signal that your reasons aren't right. And you know, often when your reasons for doing something aren't right or don't come from, you know, the best place, then that means that they might not turn out that well. So yeah, a little bit of a red flag there. And then the final thing I'm going to say about knowing when to grow, and this is cheesy, I know, but please bear with me. Trust your gut. And I know, I know, I know, I know, it's cheesy. And I know that it's often a lot easier said than done. (laughs) Trust me, I know. But on the whole, I think if you really listen to yourself, you're going to know what feels right. And a good way to test that, I think, when you're trying to weigh up whether to do something or not, I think a good way to test that is to say, okay, well, then we won't do it. Okay, we won't hire that person. Or, okay, we're not going to sign the lease to that shop. Let's just leave it and shelve it and come back to it later. Say that to yourself, say that to someone else, to your partner or a friend or someone you trust, and just listen to how that feels when you say it. Because oftentimes, taking something off the table, even hypothetically, is a really good test of what you truly, really deep down feel and know is the right thing to do. Okay, let's move on to part two. So this is where we're going to talk a about, about planning for growth. So this is going to come as no surprise to you if you've heard some of my chats before, or know me, that I'm very fond of planning, because planning enlists are among some of my favorite things in life so firstly you need to plan for where you're going you need a roadmap at least a rough roadmap like this doesn't need to be set in stone it can change as you grow and you learn and opportunities come up but you need at least a rough plan of where you want this thing to head and how you think you might get there so you can keep this really high level, you can do just like year to year, so like year one, hire a first staff member, year two, open a retail shop, year three, um, overseas uh, expansion, I don't know, (laughs) maybe don't do that in year three, but that just gives you an idea, like you need to have that bigger picture, crazy big goal right at the top of that plan, and then work back from there, and when you write that big picture goal right at the top of that plan write it in the present tense. So for example it is 2025 and we are the biggest shoe shop in New Zealand and we're currently opening our first shop in Australia. So, have that at the top as the big hairy, audacious goal five or so years out, and then work back year by year from there. And that kind of gives you the roadmap, like super rough. And like I said, this might and probably will change, probably many times, let's be honest. But it's important that at any one time, you kind of roughly know where you are on the plan and where you're heading. And that really helps with making decisions and executing things to help you get there because you can assess decisions and assess opportunities with that roadmap in mind. But also in a more woo-woo kind of way, having that visualized goal or goals in mind is going to help make it happen in like a airy fairy visualization know where you're heading kind of way which I did talk a little bit more about in, in my first topic chat so you can catch up on more of that there then and this is the big thing that I want to talk about in this section about planning is I want to cover values so When you're small in business and you're just starting out and it's just you, often these values aren't like, you know, printed on the wall, like a motivational poster. (laughs) They're more like intrinsically just part of you. And because the business is you at the start, pretty much, they just naturally flow to the business. But the challenge of growing a bit bigger is that all of a sudden there's more people around, there's more things going on, uh, and those values that were just you are suddenly the values of this business that's bigger than just you. So I think now take this moment before you embark on growing this thing to get super clear on what those values for the business are and document them in some way you still don't need to write them on the wall although you can if you want to but they'll they'll just come across naturally in the way that you speak in the way that you act in the way that you make decisions but it's important still that you've plucked those from yourself and attached them to the business so that the business will kind of take them on as part of its DNA as a separate being to you Plus it's super helpful to have those values in your mind as you're growing because it helps you make decisions and it helps you assess opportunities like I said and just basically like how you behave day to day it will 100% help you grow a stronger and more successful <laughs> it will 100% help you grow stronger and grow a more successful business without a doubt Since we're talking values here, I thought it might be kind of helpful for me to share what the values were that we had for the business at Sweet while I was there. So the values at Sweet were customer delight, customers leave with a smile, we're friendly, we're enthusiastic, we're accommodating. The brand, a fresh and stylish brand that is beautiful and happy. We have beautiful and happy spaces and we offer the latest stylish new thing fab team we are loyal and hardworking. we look after each other and we are on the same team then finally top-notch products so we use high-quality local ingredients they always look and taste amazing and everything is freshly made in small batches so like you can kinda see those values are not super polished or flashy like I didn't overthink that <laughs> you really don't need to think too big with this just literally document or take note of what your business is all about and you know those values that we had at sweet those are all things that I decided on and felt way back at the start when it was just me. And those were things that were important to me personally, and they became important to the business. So then once we grew a bit bigger, I we had more staff around. I wanted to record them a bit, a uh, bit more visually for the team. So I think it was like when we had 13 staff members right before we sold that kind of time, I made like a pretty graphic of them and I popped it up on the wall at the shops and the kitchen. So that just to make sure that the team were all on the same page. And also that so I guess they could see that having and being in, a, in this awesome team was important to the business and to them and to us it was like one of our values specifically and so those kind of things are a pretty big signal of what your priorities are as a business and like also we've kind of touched on knowing those values underpin all of your decisions that is key As a business owner and an employee too, like you are facing a million decisions every day about big things and tiny things and it's hard. Like I suffered huge decision-making fatigue when I was running a business being a business owner is basically just about making decisions. Um, So having some kind of guiding principles that underpin those decisions, it's going to help you. It's so helpful. And it also keeps you on track as a business and helps you build a consistent and successful brand and business. So another example is like having customer delight as one of our values, being accommodating. It meant that at sweet if a customer wanted a last minute cake or maybe had an issue with their order we could always go above and beyond to accommodate them or to make things right where we could because it's in our values it was just something that was naturally very important to us so that meant that customers came back time and time again and we had a loyal fan base who recommended us to their friends and came back for birthday cakes every year and that is what equals a successful business So that's just a small example, but my point there is just know your values, document them somehow in your own way, and let them help you make all of those decisions you're going to have to make as you grow. All right, part three, enough of the woo-woo values and time to talk about finances and financing growth. So, because you might be thinking at this kind of point, like growing is all well and good and that's fun, but... How are we gonna pay for this? Which is a very good question. I mean, not all growth requires upfront cold hard cash. For example, uh, hiring a team member so that you can make more product or take more orders or give better customer service, say then all going well, the increased customers, or orders or sales you get from that should cover your increased costs from their wages. But even then, you might need a little bit of money in reserve just in case that kind of uptake is not immediate to cover the gap, say. But if you're looking to do a reasonably big step, like opening your first shop or getting, say, a gym premises, if you're a personal trainer, you're going to probably need some lump sum cash to pay for some stuff, like the fit out of the space, compliance costs, like food licenses, and possibly paying some rent up front if that's what your landlord requires. So I'm not going to talk too much or be too specific about money because like I've mentioned before it's not my area. Anything I speak about is purely just from my own experience like things that I've basically just learned and made up (laughs) as I went along. Uh, But generally like high level how you get that money kind of depends on your business structure and also on what level of debt you're comfortable and able to take, for example. So some really high-level options of what it might look like or ways that you might get money. You might, one, uh, save up your own personal funds to contribute and then send them over to the business as what we fancy in accounting call funds contributed. (laughs) So ask your accountant, that's where you're putting your own money into the business and there's special ways to account for that. So that's a nice, obvious, easy one. Save up your own money and use that uh, to contribute. Number two, use the profits that the business is making and reinvest them back into the business. So that's great. That's ideal. If your business is making more than enough to cover its costs, it's making a little bit of extra, you've got a bit of profit, you can save that up over time and use that money to fund your growth. So this is actually what we did at Sweet every time we took a major growth step, which in our case was opening shops, opening retail shops, we purely funded those from profits. So I didn't take hardly any salary, uh, and neither did my husband, so that we could, at least at first, so that we could save up that extra money that we were making and open the shops. So we were kind of like self-funding our growth, um, which is really nice not to have to borrow and a bit less scary. But I will say to be careful... Uh, If you do have that kind of extra money in your business bank account as profit, just be careful and make sure that you still have adequate cash flow to cover peaks and troughs in business. For example, like monthly variations in order numbers or having to close down at Christmas or having to close down for a global pandemic. Like you don't want to spend all of your extra backup cash flow on investing in growth and then get stuck being able to pay the bills at some stage down the line because you won't get the return on your growth investment immediately. All right, next up, option three, you could borrow the money you could chat to the bank or maybe a family member if that's open to you about loaning some money and of course there are a million things you need to watch out for here that I'm not going to get into because it's not my area of expertise but just make sure that you get good advice and talk to experts before you borrow any money and be very wary of high interest rates just make sure you know what you're getting yourself into. Then, of course, there's a final option, well, final in my head of what the main options are, I guess, getting an investor. So this is a huge topic, and it's probably something that we should get an expert in to do a topic chat on because it's such a big one. But you don't need me to tell you that this is an option. There are people out there who invest in businesses, and you could get one of them. So those are kind of the four high-level main ways that you could get money to fund this growth that you're planning. In terms of how much you're going to need, because I know you're going to ask that next, and this really isn't a one-size-fits-all answer. I'm really sorry. I wish it was. But you can totally figure it out. And in true grace fashion, I will tell you, just make a list. (laughs) Of course. Just make a list of everything you'll need to buy or do or get, and then assign a rough dollar amount next to each thing and add it up. There's your budget your rough budget at least. Like it really doesn't need to be rocket science. But I'm sure it could be if if you have those skills, which I totally don't. But there you go. To give you an idea, when we opened up our first sweet retail cake shop cafe, our total budget for the fit out and opening costs was around 15 000 to 20,000 from memory. And that was on a tight DIY budget. You could spend so much more than that fitting out a cafe if you did professional for that and everything but at least that gives you an idea of a ballpark that we're talking about so moving on to part four which is all about how and all of the joys of hiring staff and finding commercial premises so these are two things that i think as a small business owner or a sole trader seem quite intimidating or can seem but actually they can be quite simple when you break them down so i thought I would just break this down into some quick notes and i'm not going to go into this in too much detail because again all of these things could be topic chats in themselves and maybe they will be one day but this gives you just a high level idea of the process so first up hiring staff the first step in that is always going to be decide what you need so what do you need someone to do and the ticket here Is look for gaps in your skills and knowledge and hire to fill those gaps or hire to just replicate what you're doing and be able to do more of it so more sets of hands then once you know what you've got in mind write an advert and if you're not sure what to write in it look up another similar role and kind of copy it (laughs) like there's not that there's not a, that much of an art to it don't be intimidated or scared just have a look at what other people are doing and kind of replicate it i guess uh you pop that ad up on trade me or seek and that costs around 100 200 include an end date uh, and require a cover letter and i recommend saying the cover letter has to be specific to the role and without one the application won't be considered because I don't have time for that. <laughs> Next up, just wait a couple of weeks for those applications to come rolling in, usually one or two weeks, and then pick your long list of people that you want to interview. Kind of depends on the role, but that could be five to ten people. Do those interviews with them. Narrow that down to a short list of one to three people, and then move on to second interviews or maybe trials, depending on what kind of job it is, which is what we used to do at Sweep. And then once you've picked your number one person, which I can't really give you advice on because it's going to vary so much, then make them an offer uh, to your first choice. But my tip here is don't tell the other people, the other shortlisters, no, don't tell them they haven't got it yet until your first choice has accepted because things can change in 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 the interim. Once they've accepted draft up a contract so there are awesome templates online for this look for the government New Zealand templates Um, they have like an electronic builder on the website that you can you just tick boxes and select things and at the end it spits out a contract it's really not scary and you don't have to have a lawyer do it for you you also need to get some Documents from them, so they need to sign an IRD document and a Kiwisaver document. Which again, templates are all online on the IRD website. You just download them and pass them on. Then set their start date. Welcome them to the team, get them to meet everyone. Maybe go for a drink or quiz night or something to get everyone together. Train them up once they start, and you are away. (laughs) So I know I really oversimplified that. It's a big process, but I think it's kind of helpful just to break down those steps. Uh, Another big way that you might grow is taking on a new space, like a shop or an office or, I don't know, a gym or a hairdressing salon or something to work in. And that is a big, big way that you might grow. So let's talk a bit about the steps for that so if you need a space if you've decided that you need a space have a look for a premises so get searching on trade me and google search and ask people and contact property managers and just ask them like it's actually not as easy as you might think to find a place so be ready to be patient and really dig and hunt around the perfect space perfect space might not exist, but just make sure you go into that search knowing what you want or you need with a list of priorities, just like buying a house, and get ready to write some pros and cons lists to kind of assess all of the options. Then I'd suggest that you consider what rent you can afford. So do some sums and make sure you know that you can afford to pay the rent every month and don't forget to factor in power and insurance and water and heating and shared expenses sometimes pop up with the other premises premises premises, in the building as well obviously go and have a look around at the space and make sure it's what you want then get talking to the agent so ask them about or the owner sorry ask them about the rent and any special terms on the lease ask them what length of lease they want and what rights of renewals there will be on it so generally landlords want long leases because obviously it's easier for them to have a long-term tenant they don't have to faff around replacing you every couple of years but as a renter you're probably going to want a shorter initial term so you can see if it works and find out if it's right before you end up committing for like five or ten years so Ask for like a one or two year lease with a right of renewal if you can. But you know, just see what they say. You can negotiate. I know it's scary, especially for the first time, but just remember that the rate and the terms that they offer are not necessarily the final rate or rent. There's usually room to move and you just have to ask. There is nothing to lose by asking and there could be quite a lot to gain. Next up, get some advice. So once you have some info about what they're looking for, seek some advice and talk to some people. So try and think of like a friend or a contact who works in property or has a business and has signed a lease before. Ask them what's sort of reasonable and what they did just to kind of sense check everything. Plus, if you can, do get your lawyer to check your draft lease because there are Some things in the template leases, even though they are reasonably standard form, there are some things that have bigger implications than what they sound like when you read them. So just make sure you get someone to take you through that before you sign it. And again, don't be afraid to negotiate or go back to check terms if they aren't quite what you're after. Then of course, it's on to the fun stuff. Once you've signed, you've set your move-in date, you start working out your utilities, like your power and your water. Then you get the keys, which is always a very nerve wracking day. It's like buying a house again. You get the keys and you go in and you're just so nervous about what you're going to find, but it's so exciting. Do an inspection on that day that you move in and take photos or even a video of the space, Space, sorry, and just note down any damage that you see on move-in day because when you move out, you might be responsible for damage. So you wanna make sure that you've caught anything that was already there. Then of course, you get to move on to fitting out the space and getting everything ready. And don't forget to check what you're allowed to do to the space. Generally in commercial spaces, you can do whatever you need to in terms of like attaching shelving and things. But at the end, you need to put it back like what it was when you moved in can be tricky so just keep that in mind then of course you're gonna open the doors and get on with your awesome new grown business which is so exciting so again that's quite a quick rundown on what is a big move but at least it gives you that high level of idea of what the kind of process looks like and also you know hopefully I just really hope that it shows that the stuff is doable like you can figure it out it might not be anything you've done before but just don't be intimidated you can figure it out those are the main things that I thought it would be handy to cover in this topic chat all about growing a few tips and bits and pieces and things but I did also want to note that there are going to be challenges that you're going to face as you grow growing pains are a real thing uh, and they're pretty inevitable whether you grow quickly or slowly I think it was my guest again again a while back on pep talk who said some days when you're growing especially with really fast growth it kind of feels like you're building the plane while you're flying it like you will never have everything perfect and all lined up and all under control but some days you kind of just roll with it you know you're not going to get everything right but I mean that's all part of the fun isn't it (laughs) One of the big challenges of growth that comes up a lot on pep talk is the growth dilemma it's called. It's about maintaining the quality of your product and the strength of your brand as you're growing. Because you know, when it's just you, you know everything that happens day to day and you know every customer, probably by name, you can make sure that everything is slick and perfect. But as you start growing, you will find that you're less across the day-to-day stuff and you're more doing higher level stuff, which is totally good for the business overall. But it does mean that you might need to change things up in terms of how you're going to make sure that you're still maintaining those standards and that quality that's got you to where you are now. I always think no one is going to care about your business as much as you do. So your team members, even the, you know, the ones that are amazing and are really doing their best, it's possible that standards can slip a little bit. So there might also be temptations on you to kind of cut corners and maybe make some changes to your processes or your ingredients to create efficiencies. Now that you've got staff and now that you're a bit more aware of how long things take and things like that. So those are just some things that I wanted to raise a flag about Uh, and how to minimize those things is just not an easy answer. And I don't know the answer myself, but I think the best thing that you can do is to just be aware of it and again, Be really clear on your values, because as long as you really dug those values deep into the DNA of the business right at the start, the business should have a life of its own that kind of lives and breathes those values, even as you're growing and even when you're not there every day. Like I mentioned, and I have mentioned a few times before, I always think that most things in life that are worth doing, have a bit of struggle involved. Like that's where the magic is. If it was easy to do all of these things that you're going to do, everyone would do it. But we know that's not the case. So just keep that in mind as you're going. And just again, remember to keep those values and goals in mind super clear to kind of steer the ship as you grow it. I'm really weary of ending this chat talking about the challenges of growth because, I mean, of course, there are some, but there's also so many benefits. Like, I mean, the obvious one is that now you'll be able to go on holiday every once in a while and things will keep ticking over. The business won't have to shut down. But, of course, there's also that you'll hopefully be making a bit more money for the business and maybe for yourself. Plus, best of all, you will be creating something that is bigger than yourself like there is just huge satisfaction in that and beyond the satisfaction it means that you're also likely creating something that has value that you will be able to sell or pass on one day or it will just keep ticking along making money for you even when you're not there so you know yes it's tough going sometimes especially during these heavy growth periods in business but it's also pretty wonderful so please just keep at it and keep all of those big goals you have in mind so there you go time has ticked by and it is time to wrap this bad boy up but i just really hope that was a little bit helpful both practically and maybe inspirationally too i don't even even know if that's a word but either way i hope it did the trick so thank you for listening and please make sure you keep in touch. As always, don't hesitate to tell me about your exciting plans, like your new businesses and projects that you're dreaming of or your scale up and growth plans. You know I'm all ears and I'd love to hear about it. You can find me on Instagram at peptalknz plus also via email, which is hello at peptalk.co.nz plus you're going to get bonus brownie points if you leave Pip Talk a review on iTunes as well. So thank you so much, Pip Talk team, and until next time, bye.